This is Truth With Grace, the media ministry of Grace Baptist Church. We're so pleased you've joined us today as we continue our exploration of the truth found in God's Word and the grace of salvation. Pastor Pierre Rosa is continuing his preaching from the Gospel of Matthew, and today we're in chapter 24. We've been learning from Jesus what will happen in the last days, in the end times just before Christ's triumphal return to the earth. It's not a pretty picture. And while there are certainly similarities to our current age and what's happening in our country, world, and culture, there are even worse times ahead, unprecedented carnage, persecution, and destruction. Yet in all this we find comfort. God's compassion remains on display, even when it's accompanied by his holy judgment. And that should encourage us to reflect his compassion and tell others about the good news of salvation. My name is Brian Schmidt, and I'll have more information for you at the end of this program. But for now, let's listen to today's message from Pastor Pierre. Follow along with me, Matthew 24, verses 15 through 28. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand, then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. Whoever is on the housetop must not go down to get the things out uh, that are in the house. Whoever is in the field must not turn back to get his cloak. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in these days. But pray that your flight will not be in the winter or on a Sabbath. For then there will be a great tribulation such as has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. Unless those days had been cut short, no life would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Then if anyone says to you, Behold, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe him, for false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders, so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. Behold, I have told you in advance. So if they say to you, Behold, he is in the wilderness, do not go out. Behold, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe them. For just as light, the lightning comes from the east and flashes even to the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. So let's talk about five features of the signs of the coming of Christ, because that's what we find in this portion of the Olivet Discourse here. Five features of the sign of Christ's return. So the first feature here of the uh, sign of Christ's return, we're going to call this the great desecration, verses 15 through 20. Now, desecration means to take something that is sacred and, and turn it around and make it unsacred, make it unholy. So notice with me here that Matthew puts an editorial remark. He puts a few words in parentheses. He says, let the reader understand. Now, again, when we hear here that Jesus says, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, then we know exactly what to do, church. We're, we're supposed to go to the book of Daniel to see what Jesus is talking about. And, and double that because Matthew says, let the reader understand. In other words, this is for readers. This is for future readers, you and me. Not just you and me, but people of that generation who will experience all of these things. He says, make sure you understand the Bible. Make sure you harmonize the books of the Bible. Make sure you understand how to read the times based on Scripture. Now, to continuing answering the disciples' question from verse 3, then Jesus, again, takes them to the book of Daniel. We'll do that now. 
Follow along with me, Daniel 9, verse 27. Don't go there, just listen. Daniel 9, verse 27. He's talking about this desolator of the end times, the man who will commit this abomination. He says this, He, referring to that man, will make a firm covenant with the many for one week. We know that that's a week of years, right? Because no one makes a covenant for a week of anything. This is a covenant of seven years. But in the middle of that week, he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering. So obviously, he's talking about Jewish practices here. So he's talking about the fact that this man will establish a covenant with Israel. And in the middle of that week, in the middle of that seven weeks, he will put an end to sacrifice and grain offering, Jewish practices. And on the wing of abominations will come one who makes desolate, even until a complete destruction. One that is decreed is poured out on the one who makes desolate. So we know what the book of Daniel is talking about. The book of Daniel is prophesying about a time when a man will come and make a covenant with Israel. In the middle of that covenant, three and a half years later, he will put an end to everything. He will betray Israel and desecrate the temple. And we know that there is going to be a temple during that time. So the, the temple mount there where there is a dome of the rock there now in Jerusalem, the temple will be rebuilt there. Now, according to Paul, this man will exalt himself above every so-called God or object of worship and take his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. That's in 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 3 through 4. So we know that this man will not only betray the Jews, he will present himself as their God, as a false God. We know him as the Antichrist. You may have heard that term before. Hitler wasn't the Antichrist. Uh, Mussolini wasn't the Antichrist. Uh, no, no pope has ever been the Antichrist. Despite what you believe politics, no president is the Antichrist. The point is, this is a man who will raise, be raised in the future. For that, he will present himself as the God of the Jews, and he will desecrate the temple. That is the abomination of desolation that Jesus is talking about here. And he says, when that happens, that's your cue for that generation who will be living during those times. What The cue to do what, church? To flee. Jesus says, when you know that that happens, you must flee to the mountains. He's addressing the people of Jerusalem there because he knows the terrain there. He's saying, you go to the mountains. So the Jews will be living in the land of Israel during that time, there will be Christians. Many of them will become Christians, and they will be the target of persecution from the Antichrist. And therefore, Jesus says, when you know of that, when that happens, when the abomination of the desolation happens, get ready, flee, because there will be persecution like never has happened before. In fact, this persecution will be so intense, Jesus calls this the great tribulation. Not only will there be persecution, we know there will be natural phenomena, or supernatural, we should say. The heavens will be shaken. The planets and stars will move around. There will be earthquakes, uh, and there will be demonic activity. We'll, we'll go through the, these in a moment here. But this act of defiance by that man will trigger that whole period called the great tribulation in the second half of that seven-year covenant that he will sign with the people of Israel. Three and a half years in, he will break that covenant. He will start persecuting the people. And Jesus says, when you hear about that, when you know that that's happening, then start fleeing. Now, look at verse 20. Pray that your flight shall not be in the winter or on the Sabbath. Again, the people who will be reading this will understand what that means. When they read the word Sabbath, they will know. And we we, we know that the the desolator will be initially targeting born-again believers of Jewish descent Because he says there will be false teachers during those times. He said that in this paragraph here. Now, 
a lot of these false teachers will say, you can't run away on a Sabbath. You can't be doing that. You need to stay. So they will be very legalistic and they will say, well, you're running on a Sabbath. You need to be stoned now. And that is why Jesus says, pray that your flight will not be in the winter. In other words, because it will be hard to travel in cold weather, in rainy weather, even snow in that part of the world. And then pray that your flight won't be in the Sabbath. Why? Because there will be false teachers persecuting them, saying, you can't do that. Now, let's look at the next feature of that time. The first one, we call it the Great Desecration. The second one, according to verse 21, we're going to call it the Great Tribulation. Because that's the word that's in the text. Verse 21, the Great Tribulation. Remember the birth pangs that we talked about in verse 8? Those birth pangs of verse 8 will intensify. And now they will turn into a time of global calamity like the world has never experienced. The likes of which humanity has never experienced. And we know what these are because the Bible tells us. And so in case you want to know what they are, listen to Revelation 8, verses 7 through 12. I'll give you an, a, a sample of that time. The four trumpets of judgments that the book of Revelation talks about. Listen to the first four. The first sounded, and there came hail and fire mixed with blood. And they were thrown to the earth, and a third of the earth was burned up. And a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. A second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea. That's a meteorite, church, that is going to fall to the earth. And a third of the sea became blood, and a third of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. Tsunamis all over the place because of that. The third angel sounded, and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of waters. The name of the star is called Wormwood, and a third of the waters became Wormwood. And many men died from the waters because they were made bitter. So even the drinkable waters of the earth will be affected by this, by this great tribulation that is not only persecution, but now cosmic calamities here. The fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars were struck, so that a third of them would be darkened, and the day would not shine for a third of it, and the night in the same way. So God's going to rearrange the place of the sun and stars and comets and meteorites, the time of great tribulation, a great calamity. And we know, church, that this is a time of judgment, divine judgment on the earth. The first round of uh, Great Tribulation here, we call this Cosmic Calamity. Now, let me talk to you about some demonic activity that's going to happen during that time. Again, this is not science fiction. This is biblical truth. It sounds bizarre, yes, but it's biblical truth. Revelation 9, verses 1 through 6. Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star from heaven which had fallen to the earth. And the key of the bottomless pit was given to him. He opened the bottomless pit, and smoke went up out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by the smoke of the pit. And then out of the smoke came locusts upon the earth, and power was given to them. As the scorpions of the earth have power, they were told not to hurt the grass of the earth, nor any green thing, nor any tree but only the men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. And they were not permitted to kill anyone, but to torment for five months. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings a man. And in those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die and death flees from them. Now, th this is demonic persecution here. That is why he says there's tribulation like never happened before. There has been never a time on the earth where people were 
tormented by demon-like, scorpion-like creatures. You don't want to be here for this. You want to come to Jesus Christ right now. Cosmic calamity, demonic activity. How about human tragedy? Listen to this. Revelation chapter 9, verses 13 through 19. The sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, one saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates, and the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and day and month and year were released, so that they would kill a third of mankind. And this is how I saw the vision, the horses and those who sat on them. The riders had breastplates the color of fire and of hyacinth and of brimstone. And the heads of the horses are like heads of lions. And out of their mouths proceed fire and smoke and brimstone. A third of mankind was killed by those three plagues, by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone which proceeded out of their mouths. For the power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails. For their tails are like serpents and have heads. And with them they do harm. There has never been anything like that in the history of the world. And that is why Jesus says that is the great tribulation. And he's saying this to us today because Matthew says, let the reader understand. What we need to understand is this, church. We don't want to be here for that time. We're not going to be. If you're a believer in Christ, you're going to be raptured before this. But the point is, you're going to have family members and friends that are at risk of experiencing all of these things. You want to tell them, listen, come to faith in Jesus Christ and be safe from the wrath to come. But let's talk about compassion. Verse 22, the next feature of the end times here. By this time in the Olivet Discourse, naturally the disciples were terrified, just like we are when we read about these things. But Jesus explains to them that God limited the judgment on the earth. See, God is pouring down judgment on the earth during that time, but he is limiting it for the sake of tribulation saints. Listen, he says, unless these days have been cut short. Now, what does he mean by that? But the days being cut short. Well, we just read in the book of Revelation that a third of the sun will be burned up. So is this a, a cutting short of number of days? Possibly. And the purpose of that, Jesus says, is for the sake of the elect. In other words, I'm acting in compassion even though I'm acting in judgment. So what we have here, church, is God's holiness being demonstrated in the fact that he is judging sin. But on the other hand, we have God's compassion in protecting people. In saying, I'm cutting those days short so that people can have enough time to flee to the mountains, he says, during that time. And also because of his faithfulness to preserve a remnant of the Jews. He says, unless these days have been cut short, no one would have survived. The implication being is that he has promised in the Old Testament that there will be a remnant of the Jews that will inherit the kingdom. So for that reason, God has demonstrated not only his holiness, his compassion, and his faithfulness. Now let me ask you a question. Does that bring you a sense of security? To know that Jesus Christ rearranges flight patterns of comets to protect his people? He does the same to you and to me today. Did you know that the planet Jupiter functions as a giant vacuum cleaner that sucks up all of the debris from the solar system so that we don't have meteor strikes here? Well, during those times, God will unplug that vacuum. But now... Literally, God removes stars and charts flight patterns of meteorites to avoid collisions. He cares for you today, just like he will care for people during that time. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So Jesus is protecting you and me today so that we can inherit inherit the salvation that has been promised to us and that is the future aspect of our salvation, the glorification of our bodies. But you say, Pastor, I'm, I'm a little confused. You say God protects people today? Well, then how come believers experience persecution today? How come believers experience accidents, tragedies, and diseases and crimes today? That's a great question. I'm not sure I have the answer. But I can direct you to, to, to what Paul said, Romans 8, verse 28. God causes what, church? All things, not some, all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. So God causes all things in your life for that purpose, whatever that purpose is. It's His purpose. Even if you don't know anything about it now, that's okay. You don't need to know. You just need to trust Him and live day by day by grace through faith. And trust that everything and anything that happens in your life has a divine purpose that will be accomplished. If he has to reorganize the stars of the universe, he will do so. Because he remains omnipotent and all-loving, even when he allows us to experience severe adversity. Here's the next feature of the end times, the great confusion. Verses 23 through 26. This will be a time of unprecedented Crisis, wars, famines, cosmic calamity. Remember famines too. He talked about that in the beginning of the Olivet Discourse here. Demonic oppression. During that time, another batch of false Christs, small c Christ, will arise because it will deceive many, he says here. And if anyone says, there he is, do not believe him because people will be saying, well, Christ came back. You missed it. Jesus already came. And Jesus says, don't believe that. During a time of crisis, we are vulnerable for being deceived. And, and, and false prophets know that. False teachers capitalize on that, and they will teach false doctrines. In fact, Jesus says here that during that time, many of them will perform magic tricks. Perhaps the power of illusion, power of suggestion, in an attempt to gain a following and confuse tribulation saints. But here, Jesus says, if possible, to deceive the elect. But that's not possible. That is why he said they're going to do, they're going to act as if it were, it were possible to deceive the people of God. The implication being that that is impossible. But they're going to do it as if it were possible to deceive the elect. So they will say, he's in a compound over there. He's in a nuclear bunker over here. Come, I'll take you to him. Jesus says, don't fall for that. I'm telling you in advance, he says. Furthermore, in John 10, verse 27, he says, my sheep hear my voice. And they follow me. So the people who will fall for these lies here of these false Christs are the unbelievers of that time. Remember, there will be false believers during that time, the nominal believers who will claim to be the real deal. And so how do we prevent from being deceived, church? How do we prevent from being deceived? I'm glad you asked. It's all right here. Jesus says, I am telling you in advance. So if Jesus knows the end from the beginning and he's telling us history in advance, then obviously... What must we be doing as believers in Christ? We need to be reading our Bibles. We, we have a lot to lose when we ignore the Word of God, when we put it aside, when we let it collect dust. 
I remember a friend of mine when growing up, I grew up in Brazil, as you know, and it's a traditionally a Roman Catholic country. Many people are, are nominal Catholics. They don't know anything about Roman doctrine. They know the name of the Pope, and that's it. I remember this one friend who had a big, beautiful Bible opened in a psalm, and I don't know if it ever, if that page ever flipped, but it was collecting dust, and the thought was, I'm going to leave this Bible here to ward off evil spirits. That's not how it works. It has to go into our hearts. So we need to read the Bible and understand. Now, Satan knows this. Obviously, Satan knows that when we read Scripture, we know how the end's going to be for him. And that is why he wants to influence people to silence the Word of God, a discredit Scripture. You're not allowed to preach this book here. You're not allowed to teach this book here or whatever, or, or try to make it a work of fiction. Do you want to risk being deceived? Read and study the Word of God, because Jesus is telling us in advance Let's finish with the great conclusion. Here in verse 27 through 28. For as lightning comes from east and flashes to the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, why is he saying this? Precisely because false teachers will be saying, He's already come. You missed him. He's here already. You, didn't you see? He's in that bunker over there. He's in the wilderness. No, just that's not how it's going to happen. Everyone will see it. So his return will not be gradual or unnoticed. It would happen from one moment to the next. And the entire world will see it. And how do we know that? Because he told us in advance. Listen to Revelation 1 verse 7. Behold, he is coming with the clouds. And every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So at the second coming of Christ, people will mourn saying, Man, we are doomed because we've been persecuting Christ. And he's coming back to exact revenge. Now, here are more details of that day. Revelation 19, verses 11 through 16. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. Church, that's you and me. Because we will be in heaven and we're coming down with Jesus Christ. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron, and he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. See, everyone will see that. Everyone in the world. Now, some people will watch that event from the earth, looking up, and some of them will mourn. Others will celebrate because God will preserve them so that they can make it to the kingdom, the millennial kingdom, obviously. But you and me, the raptured church, we're going to come with Jesus Christ, shoulder to shoulder, the Bible says here. We are the, the armies which are in heaven who, who come with Jesus Christ. And Jesus closes this portion of the Olivet Discourse with a truism. In verse 28, wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather, or the eagles. You may have it in your translation of the Bible. The, the point is the same. It's a truism. We know this to be true by observing nature. What he's doing here is he's comparing the condition of the world during those days. Things will be so bad that the earth could be compared to a corpse, a carcass, because of all of these calamities, because of sin, because of the Antichrist reigning during that time, the, the, the major false prophet, we talked about him a couple weeks ago, the aftermath of wars and rumors of wars, Armageddon will happen, 
And there will be physical darkness because a third of the sun will be burned up, he says here. And there will be bloodshed and death and spiritual darkness like never before. But church, we don't have to fear any of that. Because again, this is our blessed hope that we know that on that day, whenever that day happens, where we hear the trumpet of God, the Bible says, not any of the trumpets of judgment here, but the trumpet announcing that the rapture is about to happen. Paul talks about this in 1 Thessalonians 4. Then we're out of here. But for the people who will be left behind, things are going to be very bad. They will see the sign of the return of Christ from the earth. They will experience many of these things. The great desecration, the great tribulation, the great compassion, the great confusion, and the great conclusion. Again, church, this is a disturbing piece. I'd much rather be talking about the love of God. Oh, you have no idea how much I'd rather preach about the kindness of God. We did that when we covered the book of Ruth. But we can't skip around the words of Jesus Christ. It's next in the text. We need to follow the text. This scene here, that this picture that we we're seeing of the future time should break our hearts for the people in our families, in our immediate circles who don't know Jesus Christ. So let's not fall into this politically correct philosophy of our day of, no, we don't talk about Jesus. We don't talk about religion. We care less about religion. I want to talk about salvation. I want to tell you how to be saved. I want to tell you how you can have eternal life and experience newness of life because the alternative is this. You don't want to be here for that time. If you have questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Our email address is radio at gbcsalem.org or you can visit our website, truthwithgrace.org for more information about our church and this media ministry. Plus, we're always looking for people just like you to help us spread the gospel around the world. This broadcast is provided to you at no cost to the generosity of financial and prayer supporters of Truth With Grace. Please feel free to share it, but please don't charge money for it or edit it in any way without the written consent of Grace Baptist Church. Until next time, this is Truth With Grace.